as long as you keep getting back up, you haven't lost, you've just found a new opportunity to learn and to grow. So it comes back to that curiosity mindset. Welcome to the first, well, the first real episode of the Wild Goose Chase podcast, which is a show that is all about uncovering the tactics, tools, and strategies to grow your business, build wealth, and live a life by design. Now, the function of the show is really to kind of light the path for a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs and investors who want to be able to create a full and amazing and rich life full of experiences and full of wealth and opportunity and to really live a life by design. And that is a pursuit that I have pursued over the last, you know, number of years, but I have done so with my partner, Gabby. Now, I thought for the very first episode of the Wild Goose Chase podcast, who better to get on the show to talk to than the person who's been with me along this way for the last few years as we've been building our business. We built Dashdot into a an eight-figure company. We've now created a global prop tech company, all of that kind of stuff. And I thought, wow, what a cool opportunity to actually talk to Gabby and get her insights on this as well. Now, a lot of people have probably heard me say more things than Gabby. That is because I tend to talk more than Gabby, but I wanted to try and give her a bit of a voice on this show and to kind of get another perspective rather than me just kind of talking about all of the things that we've done. So all of that being said, Gabby, welcome to the Wild Goose Chase podcast. How are you? Hello, I am absolutely honoured to be here. Long time no see. I know we don't get don't get to talk very often, you know. So really excited for this opportunity to get to chat and <laughs> to dig into your story. Awesome. Okay, cool. So now, some people that are listening to this may know who we are. They may know about our businesses, but some may not. So let's assume that people have no idea who I am and who have no they know have no idea who you are. Why don't you kind of give us the quick um, background and synopsis? You know, what's um what's what's the story? Awesome. Well, hello, my name is Gabby Belling. I am one of the co-founders with some other guy that you may have heard of of a company called Dashdot. So Dashdot is has been around for four four years now by the time this is coming out. Um, which is awesome. And Dashdot predominantly, it's in the property investment space. So we're actually property portfolio growth partners. So we partner with people who are looking to improve their financial situation um, and really make change their lives through um, acquiring investment properties. So we help people to do that. It's a done for you service. We go through planning, strategy. So that's kind of what Dashdot does. We've grown that, as you said, from you know, that started in 2019, we started Dashdot. And so it's now, you know, started with $5,000. And now it's at 10 figures of revenue, which is pretty ten wild. Figures. <laughs> <laughs> eight figures, eight figures, of ten revenue. figures, eight figures. <laughs> ten figures. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. That would be very impressive if we got to 10 figures in revenue in four years. No, no, definitely. Um, <laughs> definitely eight figures in revenue. Um, but that is okay. You know, it's good. To, it's good. It's good to know where your mind's at. Like you're like, all right, cool. We're already there. Manifesting, manifesting 10 figures in revenue. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. I really kind of like to dig into that. I don't want to spend too much there. I don't want this to be like some kind of like massive origin story. Cause I actually want to get some of your insights, um, out into this episode as well. As I say, a lot, a lot of people have probably heard a lot more from me, um, across different platforms and probably a little less from you. And I'm really keen to get some of your insights there. But it was a very interesting time when we started the business. You know, as you mentioned, we had five thousand dollars. We started the business with five thousand dollars, no safety net, no backup, no investors, didn't know anyone in the property space, didn't have any network or community or connections or anything like that. 
didn't really know how to do sales and marketing, had never really run a business before in a, in a genuine kind of fashion, started a startup and literally had to choose between whether we were going to eat food or run ads to try and grow our business. As the story goes, we would walk around the supermarkets eating food off the shelves so that we could afford to pay, uh, to afford to run ads and grow the business. Reflecting back on that time- Which if anyone any- knows us- Ads and food are pretty much two of our favorite things, so it's a tough, tough that is choice. True. <laughs> that is true. I mean, like, how do you choose between ads and food? I mean, yeah, you know, this has been the quest. It's like, why favorite grow? Children. Why build a business? <laughs> why? Yeah. Why do you? Why do you build a business so that I can afford to spend money on ads and food? That's really the. Um, that's really the goal. Reflecting back on that time, like, how do you? Do you ever reflect back and kind of think about the person you were then versus the person you are now? And if you've got any kind of like, can you kind of talk to that for a little minute because? feels like a lifetime ago and in many ways it was. So do you want to talk to that for a minute? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I'm a fundamentally very different person to who I was when we started the business. Look, I'm still not super outspoken, but even like going back to when we started our other podcast, watching a few of those earlier episodes, I used to be much quieter and much more timid and there's so much more self-doubt over everything that I do. And I can remember at that time in everything that you do, particularly, you know, startup world, you're starting out, really have that sense of like, I don't know what I'm doing, that imposter syndrome. And then that kind of seeps into everything that you're doing. So yeah, early days, it was it was tough. But one of the beautiful things, like you said, because we didn't come from real estate is we didn't have any preconceived ideas about what we should be doing. And we didn't actually have any network in the space. So we didn't have any of that ego attached to trying to impress anyone. We were just like, we don't know anyone. It's like going to a brand new country. don't know anyone. I'm just going to like do what I think is best and just test, test a bunch of stuff. So I think that was actually a really impactful process. The fact that we came into a brand new industry and just went full curiosity. What are we going to achieve here? And what can we test? And I think we've carried that. We've carried that mindset throughout. It's like a constant curiosity of what is possible here. <laughs> you know, we've never thought about, never had the idea of limitations and thought about what most people think is possible we've just gone well let's just test let's just find out Mm, indeed now going from like we'll say zero to north of eight figures in revenue not ten figures (laughs) north of eight figures in revenue (laughs) in um four years is very fast growth right Um, particularly without any venture capital funding or anything like that i'm interested to know like well i'm interested to know a couple of things right so what's actually been the biggest challenge for you in that progression because that's very fast zero to eight figures in four years what's been the biggest challenge for you along the way personally yeah personally business-wise i mean i just like think back over the last four years and like what stands out to you as being the like some of the the hardest things that you've had to do either like it could be your personal development like how much you've had to change it could be specific moments in the business i'd love to kind of dig into that yeah for sure so i think um on a personal kind of related to the business uh, angle, leadership development in myself. So I care a lot about people, and I'm a, but I'm also a very big perfectionist. And I'm the way that I typically work is I get very deep into something, figure it out, and then kind of try and handball it and delegate to someone else to kind of implement and scale it. And so as we were growing the business, learning about people management and leadership and how to influence people in a way that brings out the best in them as well. So that's, and that's an ongoing, I feel like that's a lifelong, as long as you're a leader within a business, that's a lifelong thing that you're constantly developing. And that really came to a head, I guess, through 
you know, periods like COVID, like when, when COVID hit, when it really hit like May 2020. April, um, April. You know, I, our, remember, our, I remember distinctly it's like end of April. March, start of April was when it was like we went, we had a 97% loss of revenue in the first, like from literally at the end of March, start of April. Yeah, and that was that was really tough. I mean, at the time we had a very small team. We didn't have I think we had Aimi who is still with us, but we still we had I think maybe one other person that we were working with. And yeah, 97% loss in revenue. We had signed clients that we couldn't actually support and they weren't able to to continue to um actually buy a property because in that, you know, in that phase, in those first couple of months, everyone really freaked out about what's going to happen with the world. Everyone kind of thought that the world was going to turn upside down. So a lot of people went, you know, buying an investment property is not the priority for me. I need to like, let's revisit this later. And so again, leadership through that phase, that kind of came in with from on the client side, I think, like being able to understand and have empathy and manage those relationships with the clients. That was a huge challenge. And then obviously on the business side of things, I think everyone kind of went through a tough time through that period, just the uncertainty, you know, and being able to maintain unwavering optimism and faith that you can figure anything out. Mm. Okay. What I'm interested in knowing, uh, thinking about next, right, because so you've gone from someone who um, self-confessed, had imposter syndrome. I'm sure that you still do. I want to talk about that in a minute. But one other defining characteristic of yourself, just in case people don't realize, is that you are in fact a female and you're a female business leader, right? Um, which is really interesting because when I look around, the, when I look around the ecosystem of, um, you know, like we'll say, like we'll call, we'll call them business influencers, but you can a business influencer could be anyone from like Jim Collins who wrote um, "Good to Great" and "Built to Last" and all of that kind of stuff, through to people you see on Instagram, right? But the, most of the inputs around this space around the business space are male inputs and so i'm interested in understanding as a female in business who is a business leader who isn't naturally someone who is loud and outspoken and brash and wants to jump in front of the camera and do all of that kind of stuff can you kind of like talk can you talk to me how you've navigated that as a woman as a female in business like how have you navigated the the idea of most of the kind of people or the most of the noise that you see comes from males like how has that affected your uh, perception of your own identity and your perception of how you can um, grow as a business leader cool well firstly thank you for noticing that i am in fact female um that's good for you to know just (laughs) i'm glad you know um (laughs) but yeah in terms of business honestly like i've really i've really struggled particularly the first few years of the business not having those kind of business influences that I could look up to that were female. You look around and a lot of them, as you said, are male. So those first few years, particularly like, and some of the like groups and masterminds we were in, it was very kind of, you know, we say yin and yang, but it was very yang, like very business, conversion, like focus, push, that kind of side of things. And so those first few years, it was like, that was how I was modeling because everyone around that I looked at had had kind of the next step of success in business was a male that I could see online. The, most of the books, like business books, you look them up, majority are written by males. And they, it's great content. But because I was in that phase of not knowing who I was as a business person, you can only model based on the inputs that you're receiving. So all of the inputs were that yang side, real driven, ambitious, kind of that side of things. And so I adopted that for like the first few years. And 
to be fair, a lot of the success that we've had from the business is likely because of that. But I think now I'm starting to come to a point where I realize that there's actually strength in the other side. And I think a lot of this again comes through in like people leadership and empathy with clients and those side of things where it's more leaning into, I guess, more surrender rather than pushing things through, leaning into, again, having faith that things will work out, compassion and care uh, and those kind of things. But it really comes down to I'm still trying to find those kind of female mentors and I'd love eventually, I don't feel like I'm ready, but I'd love eventually one day to participate in that to, and to be that person because I think so I actually reflected on my diary from like three years ago the other day and I was just reading over notes and you hear the cliche about like become the person that the person you were two years ago would look up to and you hear that cliche but when I was actually reading back through my journal I was like oh there are other people that are in her situation and I know exactly how she felt because it was literally me and I didn't have anyone to look up to I didn't have any other females to be like oh they've already kind of done they're a few steps ahead of me I can just look up to them and then it gives me hope that it's possible I still feel like constantly every day I'm on day one of the journey I don't feel like I've made it by any step I feel like we're constantly just in the first little moment of any journey but I do feel like I can provide value for the person I used to be yeah do you think I was going to ask that do you think that you have become the person that they that you two years ago was looking for or would have looked up to? To a degree, yeah, I do. There's still some things and it's interesting because because we we've, you know, we do a lot of visualization and and goal setting and then looking forward to, okay, in five years time, what have I accomplished and who have I become that's gonna make me proud of you know, where I'm at. And so a lot of the elements I am, I have become that person, but then there's still little there's a couple of little aspects of it where I'm not quite there yet. So then for me, I'm like, they're, they're real areas of growth where I can think about doubling down on that because they're still true. You know, I look back again to who that person was two, three years ago, looking forward to who I would have been in five years' time. And there's still a way to go. But a large part is like, I would have been really helpful to <laughs> previous version of me. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. How, like, I know that early on, we made some really conscious choices around the the way we were going to architect the design of the business. And that was really done. That was done quite consciously. One of those things was that we were going to build a business that we could run from anywhere. And I'd love for you to kind of talk about how, like, you know, again, growing a business from zero to eight figures in, in four years is quick growth, which means that there's going to be a very deliberate focus on the business side of business and growing the business. How have you navigated the, like, the ideals also of wanting to live a life by design and how has that come through like from the decisions in the start of the business? How is that playing out now? I'd kind of love to dig into that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So I think early in the business, you kind of just roll your, suck, roll your sleeves up and, and get stuck into whatever it needs to be the focus of the business. So you're setting real priorities of like, okay, all of my attention needs to be on growing this other amazing thing. My personal lifestyle is not the priority right now. It will be eventually. Part of why we're doing all of this is to have an amazing life. But I think initially having like a single focus does really help. And it doesn't mean, you know, you hear people say like, you know, just grind for years early on and then eventually you can retire and blah, blah, blah. You and I, we both don't subscribe to that. But I do think early in a business, 
it helps to have that clarity and not trying to simultaneously go on trips around the world, you know, when you're three months into a startup, that may not make sense. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll, I'll jump in there though because what we are currently doing is traveling a lot, right? And so I understand the sentiment basically like when you – when you're starting a business, focus on starting the business. Don't focus on trying to take holidays. And in fact, probably get really comfortable with, you know, working 18 hours a day, seven days a week. And I can, you know, speak to the fact that for the first 12 months of the business, we were literally working seven days a week, probably 18 hours a day, six, 16 to 18 hours a day most days. That has tapered off a bit over, over time, but transparently we're still putting in we're still punching the out like a significant volume of hours partly because we're passionate about what we do but what is really interesting to me obviously we had a couple of years of um covid which kind of threw a spanner in the travel works so to speak but since then we've been able to navigate business building because we've been able to grow still very quickly whilst also traveling quite a lot and so do you think that that is something that could be more deeply integrated in a business builder's life from earlier on? Or do you really think it's like, listen, find a place, put some bolts in the ground, stay there, focus for the first two years or three years or whatever of growing your business. Then when you've got systems and structure and team in place, that's when you can afford yourself the liquidity to travel and work. Because, you know, transparently, it is a hell, I think it's a hell of a lot better. I passionately advocate for the idea of traveling and growing and running your business. That being said, it does cause a degree of disruption. You've got to be like, all right, how am I going to have my my shit together? Have I got all the stuff that I need? How am I going to navigate time zones? What's going to happen with jet lag? Am I still going to be able to find a gym? What's so you've got all these kind of like it does create additional friction. So what's your point of view on that? Because I'm like, you know, you and I are both massive advocates of living a life by design. So how do you how do you push those two things together? Or what advice would you have to someone uh, in business who's trying to navigate the same thing? Yeah, I honestly think it, it, like with most things, it comes down to massive self-awareness. So I think it's self-awareness and understanding why you're wanting to do anything, really, why you're wanting to grow a business, why you're wanting to have, you know, meaningful experiences, why you're wanting to travel to certain places. But I think the self-awareness to understand how you best work and how to manufacture the discipline that you need to actually achieve what you need to to grow the business and so I think for most people, I do think in that, you know, first year even, focusing on putting your energy into one thing and maintaining that focus being the business. Now, again, I don't subscribe to sacrificing, you know, health and having joyful moments, enjoying the weekends, really switching off because I think that helps people's productivity and mental health and everything. But I think most people, when you are first starting out, really need to work that discipline muscle. And so it obviously helps if you are passionate about what you're doing, but being able to just focus on one thing. Part of that is actually focusing on building out the team around you so that you can get leverage and have a team that you can trust and rely upon to think about other aspects of your business as well. Because if you are the sole person who's thinking strategically about your business, as soon as you kind of take your eye away from it, things go wrong, things change, little curly challenges come up. And if you're the only person that's there to solve them, if you're on a plane to somewhere else, that could be a really disastrous situation for the business. So I think it's trying to get 
leverage by building a team that you really trust early on and focusing on that until you can get to that point. I do think that that's probably the best way to start for most people. How do you go about building a team that you can trust, right? Because you and I have got very clear perspectives on how we view team. So for I know, and just to kind of speak to that for a second, you know, team and culture and the and the team that we have is probably one of the, aside from our clients or at least equal with our clients is the most important thing about the business. It's, you know, it's something we're very, very passionate about. But I hear a lot of business owners say things like liabilities walk on two legs. And, you know, there's sometimes, and, and we were at an event recently where the amount of business owners said, how do I get to a place where I can stop talking to my team? Because, and it's like, to me, that is just wild and crazy. I'm like, our, te- our team are like the best, some of the best people I know. I don't want to say the best because I've also got some friends who are, who are amazing too, but they're like some of the best people I know, the people that I respect the most deeply, the, thing, the people that I care about the most deeply, the people that I would go, I'd go to the wall with, you know, like I would go down fighting for them. What I see in a landscape is that perhaps that is actually not that normal. So how do you how do you go about like what are some of the kind of key ways to build a a team that you can trust and that trusts you and that you can lead and that will also be leaders in and of themselves? Any advice on that? Coming back to understanding why you are growing the business and understanding, getting really honest with yourself about is this a flash in the pan kind of project that I'm going to do for a few years. Or is this my life's work? Is this what I am building? My sole focus, this is it, which is what it is for you and I. And that fundamentally means that you at your core want to build a community of other professionals and entrepreneurs and what have you that are working towards the same mission. So I think it's largely we've come at it with a real community focus. And I just, I purely love the idea of collecting a group of really passionate, talented individuals and everybody working towards one thing. Like that just the idea that we have that team now that show up to work every day to to move something forward collectively that you and I just came up with out of thin air. Like that makes me so happy. And I think that understanding what brings you joy about building a team, that's kind of the seed of you know, building the culture and, and finding and employing people and the structure of the team and where do we go about finding them and how do we like manage them and how do we collaborate and all those kind of things. I think it starts with like, I just love the idea of giving people a place to really shine in their work and to be excited every day. Can you speak to the relationship between vulnerability and leadership? <laughs> I'll give it a go. I think it's a really challenging balance again particularly early in business if you have never had a leadership role before if you've never had a management role before if you've never really worked with other people in a way that you want to try and influence them and to move them forward towards a goal I fundamentally believe that vulnerability is really critical not in a way of self-deprecating intentionally or in a manipulative way I think it's just about being transparent and being honest when you haven't got everything figured out. And I think this is part of the leadership and the, the community and the culture that we've developed is like we're very transparent about like, hey, this is what's happening. This is what we're thinking is going to work. We don't actually have it all figured out. What do you think in getting people's buy-in? And so I think if you're leading with that vulnerability, you can really, it fosters that more community aspect and the collaboration and it encourages everyone to participate versus just a top-down 
this is what I think and then everyone kind of shuts off. So I think the vulnerability comes in there of not pretending like you know everything and then communicating in that way that really encourages collaboration. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Can you can you kind of what's your perspective on the role of resilience and perseverance in achieving success in both business and in life? There's the old saying of like you only lose when you quit, right? So in business, sure, there's constraints about like if the business runs out of money or some financial aspect, then the business might struggle. But um, personally, it's kind of like as long as you keep getting back up you haven't lost, you've just found a new opportunity to learn and to grow. So if you keep, it comes back to that curiosity mindset and being a a constant learner, realizing that every time you feel like you've lost is just an opportunity to practice excellence and an opportunity to learn something and review, assess how did I perform, how did I get here, what actually went on, and then adapting and moving forward. And I think that doing that on a repetitive cycle that helps you to grow as an entrepreneur. It helps you to grow as a human. You know, if any you have any relationship troubles, you have you can't communicate with your family, something else happens in your world, or you know, health, fitness, anything else. As soon as you give up, as soon as you go, well, I've failed and I'm out. That's when you have lost until you get to that point. Mm. And speaking of success, how do you? How do you define success for you personally, both in business and in life? Like what, is, what does success look like for you? Success for me looks like living a life that excites me and brings me joy every day um, and has impact on others. And so they, those two things kind of intertwine for me because if I can have an impact and I can see the joy in other people, I experience joy and then it motivates me to have more impact. So that's kind of if I'm in a zone where – those kind of things are constantly cycling around with each other. A beautiful dance. That's to me is success. I don't think about material things in that kind of way. You know, we're growing our businesses to have impact. We're not growing it for the financial impact on ourselves. We're we're doing it. Obviously, the, the financial aspect helps to accelerate the impact that you can have. So there's that the element of having a massive impact and really making a change in people and doing it on a huge scale is a bonus and those two things kind of you know bringing joy every day and that comes back to you know the little moments of joy the little moments that you and I have together that just make me really happy in the moment and then the adventures that we go on part of such a big part of why we're traveling and living this nomad entrepreneur life is because we get so much joy when we get to new places we we get excited and that we feel fulfilled and refreshed and rejuvenated to go and tackle whatever the next project is. Mm. And how do you, like what what habits, tools or strategies have you got or do you deploy to keep yourself aligned on a regular basis with that vision of success? Because it's pretty easy to get off track. A lot of people, I would say that most people haven't defined what success looks like, full stop. And then um, some people may take the time and the effort to go, okay, what do I actually want in life? And you've got a clear vision for what you want in life, what that looks like. But then most people don't know how to stay on track. So what tactics, tools, or strategies do you have or do you regularly deploy in order to help you stay aligned with that vision of success and to help keep you on track? And to, and to kind of like know if you are on track is another thing as well. Yeah, so tactically, like you and I do an exercise pretty regularly called the 25 to 1 life plan. 
And what that essentially is, is an exercise of going through all of the key areas of life and what in 25 years, what is the vision for our life in that time? Working through like, who am I going to be? How old am I going to be at that point? Really defining like, what does that look like? And so a trick with that is I think a lot of it can't be logical because I think when you when you kickstart the logical mind, it starts being trying to be realistic. It starts going, well, how are we going to achieve that? Oh, that number doesn't make sense. Or, you know, <laughs> you start trying to be like, does that make sense? Rather than the point of the exercise is to kind of intuitively tap into what do I feel like is going to fulfill me in 25 years time on a day-to-day basis. And then once you kind of get clear on that vision, breaking that down backwards. So you go down to like a five-year vision. Okay. If I have this vision for 25 years, what do I need to have achieved by year five? And that's when you start bringing the logical mind back in. And so you do that for five years and then bring it down to one year, bring it down to 90 days, one quarter, and then bring it down to 30 days. And so you'll often find that in that situation, a lot of the, again, the yang side of things, the mechanical business success, the numbers, the lead indicators, they kind of come in early. So they're usually a focus, you know, the next 30 days or so, working through those and building those out. And going back to the point earlier about having those female influences and me kind of leaning into what it means to be a, a female leader. For me, I'm kind of getting used to the the concept of it's okay to prioritize joy and it's okay to include things in your life and like the vision of your life of things that are done purely to rejuvenate me as a human that's going to, again, fill up my cup so that I can serve more people and serve our businesses in the way that it needs to. And so it's that balance of like, you know, we need to launch this product, we need to do this, we need to hit these numbers, X, Y, Z, but then also balancing it with the yin side do things that purely just make you feel fulfilled. Can you kind of dig into that a little bit more, like the importance of self-care, whether that be joy or whatever it is, the importance of self-care in actually achieving those kind of bigger macro goals? Because I think a lot of people can get lost in the, and I'm really bad at this, by the way, like I'm really bad at this. I feel like if I'm not pushing 100% of the time towards those goals specifically, then I'm failing. Like I literally, I'm like, unless I am actively doing something that is progressing us towards those specific exact, exact goals, then I am failing, failing, and I'm wasting my time. Which I intellectually know is not is not the um, not the truth, and also not the best way to get there. But and you're far better at this than I am. So can you speak to the um, can you speak to the importance? of self-care as it relates to achieving the goals that you want? Yeah, again, I think it just comes back to self-awareness. So you and I, and this is actually something that I've had to teach myself over these four years of running Dashdot, is that you and I are very different people. So again, early in the business, I was very drive hard, work hard. I mean, I still work very hard. I work more times, more hours than I do not. But early in the business, it was very like, that yang side, ambitious drive, work hard, don't like sacrifice your well-being to push something forward. And a lot of it, I think I was trying to be like the men that I saw online and the men that wrote the books that I've learned about. And then obviously you're an amazing leader. And so I was trying to adopt a lot of your skills in in the business. And so I really deprioritize all that well-being side, but that's where that self-awareness comes in. So I'm, you know, learning that 
actually for me, I really need time to switch off. I need time to go to the gym and listen to a podcast. I need time to go for a walk and disconnect. That's how it works for me, like being able to know that I've prioritized something that's purely for me, something really just tiny. It doesn't need to be like, I'm going to have a whole weekend to myself every weekend and that's my criteria. It can just be, I'm going to have half an hour in the morning to write out my goals. I'm going to make sure that I journal every day. I'm going to do whatever it is that you find makes sense and just doing that. And just, you can, you can run it as a test. You know, it doesn't have to be this commitment lifelong. This is what I'm doing every day for the rest of my life. Cause I know I definitely got stuck in that when you start learning about like productivity and like daily habits and morning routine, you're like, what is my routine going to be forever? Which it doesn't need to be that way. You can just go, okay, I'm going to start going for a walk first thing in the morning. As soon as I wake up, I'm going to have a coffee and I'm just going to leave the house. Might be pitch black. I'm just going to leave, get out and do that and see how you feel and see like, do I feel more inspired about my day coming back after that? Cool. That's an interesting test. And then you might want to keep that. You might want to swap that with something else. You might want to go to the gym. You might want to sit and journal in the morning. (laughs) You might want to switch it up and do that in the afternoon or in the middle of the day because you might want to work early in the morning. It's all about these like constant testing, constant curiosity, figuring out what works for you and maintaining that constantly, I think, throughout life, just constantly being like, okay, I'm never going to have this figured out. (laughs) I just need to keep testing and going, okay, this works for me right now and being okay with that. Yeah, awesome. I love that. Um, I've got a couple more questions um, that are going to like springboard off that a little bit. Looping back to something you said at the start about imposter syndrome, right? You've obviously done a lot of personal development over the last four years. What tactics... Like if somebody else is struggling with imposter syndrome, what tactics or advice would you give to somebody else who's struggling with imposter syndrome and how to manage that um, to still be, to, to, to get, to either live with it, get over it, disarm it? Like how do you navigate that and what advice would you have for somebody else? So tactics wise, I don't want to sound like a cliche personal development person, but journaling actually really helps. <laughs> Partly because I think when you journal, something cool happens And so when I say journaling, I don't have a framework or anything. It's just like in the morning, trying to clear out my mind, whatever comes to mind. I might not be feeling the best that day and I'm writing about that. But what happens is like you get something out of your head and it gets onto paper and you can see it with a different perspective, which I think is really interesting. And it's hard to know that until you actually just start doing it. And so you can actually see like you write something out and then you read back over it and you're like, oh, okay, I think that's the problem right now. But is that really the problem? working through those kind of things. So journaling, I can't remember what they call that. I think it's like morning pages or something where it's just like write stream of consciousness, just write whatever comes up. Uh, So I think that helps. I'm learning more and more the value of community. And I think, again, this comes back to like early days in in the business. I didn't have a community or I didn't feel like I could ask for help from other people or didn't know where to seek inspiration from. So I think finding networks that have people that are in a similar stage of business to you or are a little bit ahead or are a little bit behind you. I find that's actually from a, you know, feeling a little bit more like an expert than you might feel like you actually are. It's finding a community where you're a little bit more ahead in business than other people. Uh, so technically, you know, Facebook groups are really, really good for that. Um, and then if you want to, if you find a place that really resonates with you you know a lot of them have masterminds as well so you can pay and have a bit more of an intimate experience um oh intimate experience was a weird thing to say (laughs) intimate community (laughs) 
um, of like-minded people. And it's really like it's all of these words are just so easy to throw around these days, like like-minded group of like-minded people. But when you really do find those people, it really changes everything because you just feel like when you have a question, you have somewhere to go. Because I think when you're growing a business, a lot of the time you have more questions than you have answers. So you just want to have someone that you can go to and say, hey, has anyone gone through this before? And then you might get people that have gone through that before and can give you guidance. You might have people that have known someone or you might have people that can refer you to someone. I think those I'm finding more and more impact from those environments. Nice, nice. And if you could go back to, if you could go back four years, right, what advice or sorry, either what, yeah, what advice would you give to yourself or what would you change over the last four years? Like if you could kind of go back and do over or go back and give yourself some some advice and be like, hey, do this, it'll be better for you in some way, shape or form, what would that advice be and why? Get more involved in community. Again, I think that's that's an important thing that I'm kind of starting to come around to and be okay with asking questions and asking for help and and raising your hand and saying, hey, I don't actually know what I'm doing right now. <laughs> Can somebody help me? Uh, I think it's so scary being an entrepreneur, particularly those first couple of years. You're just like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing and this is all going to catch on fire. To be honest, I don't think that feeling ever actually disappears. I think you constantly feel that something is about to explode and we're all going to die. <laughs> But particularly early in the business, when you haven't kind of had the traction that you feel like you need to have to prove to yourself that you know what you're doing, being okay with finding others and and collaborating with others and you don't have to do everything on your own, you know, building partnerships, communities, being more generous with your time and understanding that you have value as well. Um, That's really what I would think about. Awesome. Final question. As a female in business, who has grown a bit, grown a decent sized business over the last few years? What advice would you have to other female entrepreneurs, particularly some who may be just starting out and are about to walk the path that you've walked? What advice would you give them? I feel like I'm just rehashing the same stuff. <laughs> really, community, more community. Okay, cool. Well, that's good. That's fine. I mean, if the, if that's the, if that's the kind of key thing, because I just find it really interesting because there's less role models and like there's a lot more identity crisis. I think I think that males tend to have a natural proclivity to being able to get over their own identity crisis a little better, less of a kind of confronting thing, but maybe you're right. Like maybe the answer is actually just seeking out and joining and being a part of the community, for like finding people who where you can be yourself and learn and grow and learn from others and find that tribe so that you can thrive and become the best version of yourself. Maybe that is it. Maybe that's, maybe that's the kind of key thing. Yeah, and I think like you said about identity crisis, like you and I talk about this frequently, <laughs> but kind of realizing that the business is not you and you are not your business. And I think particularly, again, those first, those first early years, you think that they're one and the same. And so you need, you need to put the energy into it as though they are one and the same, but understanding that the reputation of the business does not necessarily mean it's the same reputation as you as an individual and you are two different entities and two different identities and different souls and entities and everything. So having that perspective means that you can kind of look at it differently and grow it differently to how you would grow yourself and so you can be a bit more strategic about that and not necessarily assume that that means well that's then how I'm going to be identified so even like for myself so we obviously the business is in real estate I do not identify as a real estate person at all but early in the business I was very much like oh I need to become a real estate person I need to like comment on real estate I need to be an expert blah 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 
But I realized like you can love what you do and be good at what you do in the business and not need to automatically assume the same identity. And so I think that's a big lesson um, early on that really it unlocks. It's quite relieving when you have that realization that you can have your own identity that's separate to your business. Mm, yeah, I, I dig that. I think that's great advice. I think that's great, a great advice to end the, uh, end the episode on. Gabby, <laughs> thank you so much for being the very first ever guest on the Wild Goose Chase podcast. It's actually been really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, I know that we get to hang out all the time and we get to talk all the time and you know we've been on this journey together, but having the opportunity to kind of ask you a bunch of these questions and it's been refreshing for me and hopefully uh, the listener will also find this valuable too because I think there's a lot of value in there. Um, a lot of insights, um, and it kind of really helpful. I think it'll be really helpful to a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs that are on the journey as well. So, thanks so much. For, appreciate your time. Awesome. Hope I brought some value. 